Hello and welcome to Pod Be With You, a podcast from First Congregational Church of Dundee here in lovely Dundee, Illinois. I'm Aaron. And I'm Paige. And we've got another Bible study for you today. Uh, a shorter one than the last time, if you've been tracking with that one, was there was a ton in oh, it. Oh, it was so meaty. What felt like forever, but there was a lot of good stuff in there, yeah. we hope. This one a little bit shorter, just because it's a shorter passage, and in a way, I think it's a little bit more straightforward. So we're out of the Gospel of Matthew this morning and into the letter to the church at Rome, the Apostle Paul's letter. It's known to most of us as Romans, but sometimes I say the letter to the church at Rome for me because it reminds me that we are reading somebody else's mail. Yeah. I mean, this is really a letter, a pastoral letter. To a specific situation, too. Yeah. He's writing to specific people who are dealing with specific things, and it's amazing that we can kind of listen in and still get something out of it. Absolutely. Over 2,000 years, there are some really timeless insights. And that's important for me to remember that we are reading these letters because these letters became our scripture. They became our New Testament. But he didn't set out to write scripture. He wasn't here saying, I'm going to write more Bible or a Bible. <laughs> um, and, and so uh, sometimes I think we ask, as scripture, we ask these letters to be more than they were intended to be. And the fact that they do that at all is remarkable. Yeah. So here it is, without uh, any more context than that. This comes from near the end of the letter uh, to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And Paul writes this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. There are lists like this elsewhere. <laughs> right? Paul is, Paul is a really good at a good list. He's, oh, he loves a good list. Yep. You can hear him just dictating, like on a roll, yep. pacing and dictating, right? Uh, also in 1 Corinthians and in Ephesians, I believe, there are other lists of these gifts of different members of the body and sometimes spiritual gifts and in some cases practical gifts and, and really no distinguishing between the two. They are all meant to be gifts given, charisms, gifts of graces given to us, which is where we get our word charisma. There are these different charismas given by the Spirit for the good of the church. Let's take it from the top there. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
There's a lot in just one sentence there, too, isn't there? Absolutely, which is very Paul, uh, to to pack a lot into a, a relatively short sentence. Um, the thing that is uh, interesting to me um, as we begin is this language of living sacrifice. He's writing to, uh, again, the church at Rome, which would be primarily Gentiles. Mm. Um, but they have an understanding of the Jewish context out of which Jesus came. And um, both of those have a history of sacrifice mm. um, as part of the way that you worship. Um, and so to speak of a living sacrifice would be, uh, would be new and different and interesting. What does that mean? What does that look like? How does that work? Um, because they're used to um, to a different kind of animal sacrifice. Yeah, and that sacrifice can sound like a very negative thing, right? In order to appease God, something has to die and be given up and go away. But this idea of a living sacrifice, I think, has the connotation of consecration, of offering over in holiness, in gratitude, and the, the giving back of your life, from your life, of yourself. Uh, this idea of the of present your bodies is a is a whole self kind of thing. Yeah, it's not just your heart, not just your spirit, not just your mind. It is it is a whole embodied life offered to God. What does God require of you? This kind of sacrifice. Paul sometimes gets uh, a bad rap, I think, for being. Um, somebody who's antibody, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and there are reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Bless his heart. <laughs> um, but here, uh, what he is talking about is the fact that being embodied can be a holy thing. And as he goes on in this little part of the letter, he's talking about actions that we do in the moment while we're living with our bodies, um, and uh, and that a living sacrifice is again that that sort of action and embodiment of the Holy Spirit in our midst. He can be given to some of the same dualism that many people could at the time theologically. Right. You know, the body is of the earth, whereas the spirit is of heaven and of God, right? And there's this contrast. Uh, here he's speaking of a much more integrated yeah. whole, which is a very compelling vision. And I think, you know, maybe there's a sermon in that, or certainly there's a message in that for all of us who are realizing, I think, more and more how much we are integrated selves. And if one part of ourself, body, mind, spirit, however you want to distinguish between these things because they're all related, <laughs> right? But if one of those things is hurting, the others are too. Yeah. Physical pain takes an emotional toll. Uh, emotional toll takes a, or emotional, emotional pain takes a physical toll. We feel it in our bodies. Yeah. Uh, spiritual barrenness, uh, mental anguish, or, or conversely, uh, when we are lit up, when we are inspired, this has a positive effect on all of us, on our whole selves. Yeah. It is also a way of honoring the body, whereas he, as you said, he often talks about the things that the body does that are less than godly or that drive us to sin and we need to master the body and these types of things. He also here is talking about every time he's talking about graces about charisms about these charismas he's he's talking about uh the body in there as being a gift of god absolutely and 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 part of what we offer part part of what was given to us and part of what we offer back 
here are some things that are hitting us where we live. Uh, well, first, sorry, verse two uh, of this. I know I was <laughs> jumping ahead of the part I was really excited about, but this is good too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. There's a little bit of that dualism here too, right? Where he speaks of the world as being a place that stands in for everything that is wrong or <laughs> right? yes. ungodly. Well, the world asks you this, but I say to you, we have to do this. And the world will do this to you, but instead do this. Here, I think that there's a lot that preaches that way today, too. Absolutely. Uh, we're living in a time and a place that uh, has a lot that feels at times corrupt and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, much like I would imagine living in the Roman Empire would mm-hmm. feel at times. Uh, and uh, it definitely speaks to us directly where we live um, about the world. We understand that. We we get that. It's language we understand. There's a lot about the way that the world is set up right now that is not as God would have it, Absolutely. according to the teachings of Christ, the, the revelations of the Old Testament, all of this. It is not it is set up often for competition, domination, greed. It is, uh, and as a as a consequence of that, we are given to selfishness and oppression and exploitation, and we have a long way to go. And and I don't want to say that this is the nature of the world. Maybe I want to be more optimistic than that. But if we look at what some of our culture is creating for us, it is. It is working hard to make us not the kind of people Christ would have us be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And without delineating, you know, this litany of horrors of all the things that are going wrong and <laughs> this rant about everything that's wrong with our society, I think it's also pretty clear that while I don't know that there's another time that I would have wanted to live in in all of history. That's the all, truth. It's still not as God would have it. Right. Right. And so instead, be transformed. Allow yourself to be changed. Uh by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. May I jump in for a moment with, a geek, with geeky word studies? Wow. So I spent, somebody should. Somebody should. I spent a little bit of time last night looking at some word studies, mm-hmm. and Paul is he's brilliant mm-hmm. uh, with the way that he uses words, um, and sometimes we miss a little bit of that in translation. But um, one of the things that I found is that the root word for um, when he's talking about not being conformed um, gives you the sense of something that's malleable, almost like Play-Doh or clay or something that can that bends and is easily shaped and shifted. And don't don't be like that. He says, be transformed, which gives you the sense of um, that word gives you the sense of an inner change mm. and something that is more solid and um, and grounded uh, and foundational, uh, which I thought was just a, a brilliant way of of playing these ideas off of each other, the, the conformed and transformed um, kind of fun concepts that we don't necessarily get fully in our own translation into English. So I, that, thank you for that. That absolutely well. And, and that's a great image, this idea of don't simply be something that sits there like a lump and is acted upon. Right. And, and, and shaped by these external forces. You are more than that. You mm-hmm. are capable of more than that. You are made to be more than that. So know that character and and be transformed. Uh, elsewhere, Paul, I mean, Paul writes a, in a lot of different ways to a lot of different people for a lot of different circumstances. Again, back to the fact that these are 
pastoral letters for people with a specific point in a specific context. Uh, but I think it's he speaks elsewhere of uh, Christ living within him. Right. He, uh, uh, he speaks of of a, a really he has a really radical notion of inner transfor- transformation, even a displacement of the self, which we don't want to get too far into because you can also get in in weird places with 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 putting yourself down but i think he he's really he had a profound transformation he experienced it um and he wants that i think for others absolutely absolutely it's uh it's one of the things that is driving his ministry he was converted right in that way yeah For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Well, that preaches down through the centuries, doesn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. That's that's just uh, that's just a piece of brilliance right there because we all need that reminder, uh, especially when we're in. He's talking to you not just here as individuals, but this is this is a passage that is written to a community, mm-hmm. and so he's writing to people who are doing exactly that. And it is so easy when you're in relationship with other people <laughs> to think of yourself more highly than you ought, and also. Uh, sometimes to think of yourself a little less, mm-hmm. uh, a little less than as well. But that that's brilliant. Well, and that's where that passage we can't use that as a blunt instrument and say, all right, everybody's everybody's thinking more highly of themselves than they ought to. So everybody think worth. Well, that's not where everybody's living. A lot of people, you're right, are living thinking of themselves far less highly than they ought to, and and they're in a place where they need to be built up and mm-hmm. know that they are beloved children of God and incredibly gifted. Uh, which we're going to get to in just a moment. But at the same time, there's a lot of folks who are real happy about their own awesome <laughs> and are re- really, and, and to say that you have to start there. If you're going to do the rest of it, if you're going to think about yourself as part of a community, as part of a, a body and just one part, then it starts with kind of putting yourself in perspective. Yeah. If you're going to walk in and say that you are above all of this, then you're not going to have what it takes just from a, 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 a fundamental perspective and orientation. You're not going to be in the right place to be able to be in loving community that way. But instead, think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. There's a sense of modesty as opposed to ego-drivenness here. Yeah. Right. For as in one body here, uh, how many of us have heard this metaphor a million times? Uh, I think maybe most of us. It's brilliant. It's brilliant because it is so simple and so challenging at the same time. You read this to kids and they absolutely get it. They understand absolutely why this is. And yet it's hard to live into. Mm -hmm. For as in one body we have many members and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members one of another. Elsewhere, he goes on, he extends this metaphor a little bit. Uh, Other places where he talks about the body. 1 Corinthians 12 is one of those classic passages where he he goes to great length to explain what he means. Um, Well, and really dives into, he really works the metaphor in saying, so the eye cannot say to the ear, I have no use of you. I, and you've got different members of the body that are honored differently, but they, they all need one another. 
this, like any good metaphor, this really withstands being worked, being used, being thoroughly understood. That's a message for our time right now. We are in this together. We are one body, even when we don't want to be. (laughs) (laughs) You can't just quit. You can't just say, I'm not part of this body. Absolutely. And we need one another. We need every part of the body to do its part. We need members of the body to not act like they are more important than the other parts of the body. We need to recognize that there are parts of the body that are suffering. And when one part of the body suffers, the whole body is unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, we, one part of the body cannot win at the expense of other parts <laughs> of the body. Right? That's ultimately not a, not a healthy vision, not a holistic vision. We, we really have, and that's something that's actually quite countercultural to go back to the way in which we are conformed to the world one of the ways that our culture often conforms us is to a sense of hyper individualism yeah and the world and everybody else is who they are as they relate to us and the world is there for us to get what we want out of it and it's really hard to think of yourself as part of a much greater whole if that's your baseline orientation to the world yeah this language of being uh, members one of another is just it's so powerful. If you take that in in the almost literal way that Paul means, that we really are fundamentally connected to each other, so much so that we are sharing an existence in common when we are part of the community and part of the church. Um, that's just, it's powerful language. And it, it makes us think uh, about the way that we treat other members of the community. And let's take this from the micro level to the macro level. We are talking about, at times, even the conflict within us. Right. How many of us have conflicting relationships with our own bodies? Yeah. Or have a disconnect between our minds and our hearts and our bodies and ourselves? We are feeling disjointed, not whole and unified as a self. Expand that to others. How many of us are trying to repair broken or strained relationships right now? How many people are feeling division within our own families for a variety of reasons right now? And then it's neighborhoods and it's communities and certainly our nation and, of course, the world. We are... One thing that this pandemic time has revealed is how much we are... in interrelated and integrated global community what happens in one part of the global body affects what happens in the rest of the global body we we cannot not be in this together we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us again grounding these gifts in god there's not just hey this is the thing i'm particularly awesome at but this is a gift of god which prompts and continues the cycle of what was called earlier the sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It is truly giving back to God what was given you. Mm-hmm. The cycle of grace. Prophecy, ministry, teacher, exhorter, giver, leader, compassionate. This is not a complete list. Right, because no. like I said, we have these lists other places, and in those other places, the lists are different. Some mm-hmm. are shorter, some are longer, some have some overlap with this, and some are different. 
it is really just meant to be not proscriptive. It's meant to be descriptive and, and not complete. We have many, many different things we need to do for one another. Again, really simple. Again, really hard. Really the hardest thing. We have a, we have a difficult time respecting different kinds of giftedness in our society right now and different roles that different people play. I think we even have a hard time seeing it, not just respecting it, but actually yeah. actually looking at somebody else and saying, oh, that thing that drives me crazy mm-hmm. is actually mm-hmm. one of their gifts. Um, and, and, and to not, you know, to, to be able to actually see it for what it is, I think is also uh, something that we need to learn to be able to do. Division is not, again, not a new insight, not a new observation, but we are living with troubling levels of division right now. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were studying here the, the book, A House United. And I mean, the book's got its limits and, and it's not the end all be all of any, everything. But one of the things that it observed and other, other writers and other media have observed is that we've made the shift from, I disagree with you politically, philosophically, to you're not, and, and you're not just wrong to this point where you're not just wrong, but you're evil. Yeah. Because no one could be as wrong as you are without <laughs> knowing it. So you must know it and be choosing to do it anyway, which means you're not just bad, you're evil. Right? They ask questions about, um, would you be very concerned if your son or daughter married someone of the opposite political party? And in 2010, 46% of people said they would be very concerned about that. And you have to figure it hasn't gotten better in the last That's what I was going to say. It, right? it, it can only have gotten worse in, in the last decade. And that's a, that, that is a great way of asking that question because you say, uh, would you, do you hate somebody of that other party? And, you know, we're all trained to say, no, we don't hate. But would you want, let one of your children marry one of them? That's the real question. And people say, yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. Which, it was actually a question asked about race in the 60s, mm-hmm. a way of getting at prejudice. And now it's a way of getting at our political division and resistance. We have a long way to go when it comes to unifying. Uh, There have been times, I think, when crises have unified us. Unfortunately, I don't think this pandemic has been one of them. Of all the things where you could say, well, we are in this together. Clearly, this is unifying. Clearly, this is a common challenge. And clearly, we all need to participate in the solution. It has only exacerbated some of the division. It has only fractured us along some of the fault lines yeah. that already exist. So here we are, simple, not easy. <laughs> when we get to hear again uh, the reminder from a pastoral letter from somebody else's mail 2,000 years ago, you are members of the same body. We are members of the same body. Brilliant. We will see you again soon. We'll see where that goes on Sunday. Thank you for spending this time with us. Uh, As always, thanks for listening. We encourage you to like and share and subscribe and rate and review. We are FCC of Dundee on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, FCCDundee.com for the website that's got our worship and mission and a lot of other ways to support us and to get involved. 
Come and worship with us. Uh, right now we are live uh, on Facebook on Sundays. Find out all that information. Uh, share. We would love to make this a thing. If, you, if this is valuable to you, we hope it will be valuable to others as well. So again, thank you. And until we see you again, we encourage you to find ways to get together, get inspired, and get to work. Be well. Bye.